Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. So Father, we just want to thank you and bless you for for today. Thank you for the awesome worship, the prayers. And especially now, we want to thank you as we go into this session of your word, that you will breathe upon it and let it challenge us, galvanize our lives, propel us to the next stage, empower us for the journey that is ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As, as Dr. Zoe said, the... Um, Genes for Genes initiative is very dear to us here because we have personal testimony um, of the wonderful work that is done at the Great Oman Children's Hospital. So please give gener- generously to it. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you ask the person next to you this question? Are you an Elijah? Go on, will you ask the person? Go on, ask it boldly like you already know what I'm about to say. I mean, the person's name might be Tom or, or Jennifer, but just ask them again, are you an Elijah? <laughs> you know, one of the, the most encouraging scriptures in the Bible with regards to prayer is sometimes overlooked by us. Um, prayer, increasingly, we are, no, we, are, we, are, we are coming to understand even more than we did. The significance of prayer in our lives as Christians. If there's a person that is feared by the kingdom of darkness, it is a person who prays, a Christian who prays. And if the devil will stop anything in a Christian's life, he will want to stop that Christian from praying. Because you see, when a Christian prays, it's a partnership with God to bring to pass God's plans and God's purposes. I'm sure you've heard the story of how the Queen of Scotland, who was feared by everyone, um, said the one thing she fears is that man John Knox on his knees. This is the whole Queen and all the armies, armies that she had at her disposal. But one man on his knees struck fear in her heart. It's the nature of prayer. And if there's one scripture that encourages us in prayer, it's that scripture in James, the fifth chapter, verses 17 and 18. The Bible puts before us, out of the Old Testament, this model of a man who moved things by his prayer, I'm sure you've heard it said said that prayer is what moves the muscles of heaven or the muscles of God. That scripture says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. I love the Passion Translation of that scripture. It says Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us. 
but he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and the skies opened up over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. The Bible puts forward this example of a man encouraging us that we also can enter that dimension where our prayers are changing things, affecting things, bringing to pass God's plans and God's purposes. The Bible says this man, Elijah, who we of course know was a prophet in the Old Testament, was a man who prayed and received supernatural answers for his prayers. This was a man who made things happen on earth by his prayers. This was a man who established God's rule and God's reign by his prayers. This was a man who God could trust to bring to pass his plans and purposes by his prayers. But then the Bible says to us that man was a man just like us. Because you see, a lot of times when we hear about people who pray like this, we instantly put them in a particular category. And we instantly put ourselves outside that category. That's why we think of generals of prayer. That's why we flock towards certain men and women of prayer. Because we feel that they have a particular anointing for prayer. There's no one who has a particular anointing for prayer. They are just things that you do that put you in a place where heaven responds to your voice. And anyone can get into that place. So we don't need to flock towards a particular person or, or people thinking that they have a particular anointing for prayer. They do out of what they have put in. It's really you get what you have put in. And rather than be the millions that are trying to follow one person and hoping that one person's prayer can spread around us, why don't you become the one who prays the prayers that will move the hand of God? So what was it in Elijah's life that made him the person that the Bible puts forward as a model of a man who cause things to happen in prayer. There are so many examples from his life. Of course, it starts with that encounter in 1 Kings 17, the first verse. The Bible introduces him without the usual flowery introduction. Elijah the Tishbite, no father, no mother. No was begotten by this and that. Just this guy, Elijah the Tishbite, comes down from the hill of Gilead, the hills of Gilead, marches into the palace and declares to the king, a feared king, a king that everyone knew was wicked. But the ma this, this man marches in. Don't ask me how he got past the guards and the courtiers, and, but he arrives in the presence of the king. And he declares to the king, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, 
except at my word. And he turns around and walks out. I remember one of the men of old, a man of prayer, said, Elijah locked up the heavens, put the key in his pocket, and walked out. Can you imagine the kind of world we would live in if there were Elijahs today? Who would make a declaration of two sentences and go away, and the heavens will respond and bring that to pass? Can you imagine what our families would be like? Where someone rises up in the family and declares, at my word, that is not going to happen. No drama, no shaking, no rolling on the floor, no tantrums, just a declaration that is backed by power. And Elijah walks out of there, and for the next three and a half years, the heavens are shut over the land. Can you imagine what this nation would be like if there were more Elijahs, the nations of the world would be like, if there were more Elijahs who would make declarations that the heavens would back up, who would change their world, change society, change families by declaring what God has asked them to declare. There are other examples, and there are many, about Elijah. That shows how this man walked in such a supernatural realm in the area of prayer. But it's not a realm that is reserved for Elijah alone. You and I can access that same realm in the place of prayer. He's directed by God to go to a widow. He arrives at the widow's place. He asks for some cake and some water. The widow tells him there's nothing here. Haven't you heard there's a famine in the land? All that there is for myself and my son is enough to make one meal, and after that we are facing death. Listen to Elijah in 1 Kings 17 verse 12, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of God of Israel. We are looking for that. For people who will declare God's word. Not people who will say something is going to happen and the opposite will happen. And they don't even have the courtesy to get on a pulpit and apologize to us. They continue as if it's normal. I'm watching some of this madness. And I'm thinking, you prophesied all these things. You stood on your pulpit. You said all these things. You said God told you. Nothing happened. At least you must have the decency to get on the pulpit, humble yourself, and say, I made a mistake. Not people who will give us their feelings and their own opinions, but people who will say, thus says the Lord. He says, thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. May you be that person in your family that will make a declaration in your family by, thus says the Lord, and the family changes because of that declaration. May you be that person in your community that will stand up and declare because God has spoken to you. And right before people's eyes, it will align with God's words. 
May you be that person that God will use in the nation or the nations who will make declarations that will change their nation or the nations. Of course, you know the rest of Elijah's story. There are many examples of these supernatural answers to prayer. That same woman, at a later point, her child fell ill. She goes to Elijah. She's, of course, in pain. What have I to do with you, O man of God, she says. Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? By this time, the son had passed away. He says to her, 1 Kings 17, verse 19, Give me your son. So he took him up of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And this is the critical verse. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. I say to people all the time that all voices don't sound the same in the spirit realm. Ten people can tell you it is well. You know, that's a nice Christian response to a situation. For some people, it's just a platitude. For others, it's the right Christianese, speaking in the right language. For some people, when they say it is well, the angels drink another cup of coffee. For some people, when they say it is well, the truth is that the enemy sniggers. But for some people, when they say it is well, the angels drop the coffee, get their swords, and go into action to make it well. Because their words carry weight in the spirit realm. May your words carry weight in the spirit realm. So that when you say good morning to me, the whole of nature, the whole of the angelic realm goes into action to make it a good morning. Because from you, it's not just a greeting, it's a prophetic declaration that this morning must be good. When you bless your children, may those words carry weight. So that when you bless them, the, the angels go into action to bring those blessings to pass. That's the kind of person Elijah was. The Lord heard his voice. The soul of the child came back to him. And easily the most dramatic must have been the battle on Mount Carmel. Now either Elijah had a mental issue or he knew something we don't know. One man went against 450 prophets of Baal. And he didn't just go against them. He taunted them. He mocked them. He teased them. He insulted their God. Has he gone to the toilet? They must have been so enraged. And the Bible says they were. They cut themselves more. They bled. They shouted. But Elijah knew who he was depending on. And when they had finished all they had to do, he now built the altar, set up the wood, drenched it with water a couple of times. The Bible says in 1 Kings 18 from verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, 
let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done these things at your word. We need to say that today. Let it be known. Let this matter be settled. Let these people in this family know. All this my God and church and Christ is not in vain. Let it be known where I work. That I serve a living God. I don't serve a dead God. Let it be known God. That all power truly belongs to you. Let it be known heavenly father. That Christ is risen. He's not dead. Let it be known almighty and everlasting God. That you are God who sits in heaven. And rules in the affairs of men. Let it be known God. That you open a door no one can close. You close a door no one can open. Let it be known God. That you have stretched out a scepter of grace that has touched me. Let it be known, God, that when you declare a thing, it comes to pass. Let it be known, God, that your words don't go out without achieving the purpose for which they were spoken. Let it be known, God, that you're not a God who's the figment of a man's imagination. That you are the God of the Bible, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let it be known, God, that you are the God who took a nation through the Red Sea on dry ground. Let it be known, God, that you are a God who caused the son to stand still that your son might win a battle in the day that you had ordained. Let it be known God that I am the apple of your eye. I am special in your eyes. Let it be known God that your angels encamp around me. Let it be known God that all power belongs to you. Hear me O Lord he says. Hear me. That these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Let the people know that we serve a living God. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord he is God. The Lord, he is God. It's time for people to say that. It's time. It's time for the doubters in your family to say that. It's time. It's time for these people who are skeptical and cynical to see the demonstration of God's power and acknowledge the Lord, he is God. But when you, see, when you hear all these things, you think, wow, this is a super man in prayer but the bible says a man with like passions a man who had human frailties and then the bible presents to us and this is the encouraging part this is what makes the bible a real book because it's dealing with real people people who are dealing with issues because this same man after that encounter where fire fell, and he instructed them to kill all the prophets of Baal. Now remember, these prophets were Jezebel's personal prophets. Ahab goes home and tells Jezebel, have you seen what Elijah has done? He has killed all your prophets. Jezebel said, he did? 450, they are dead. And Jezebel sent a message. 1 Kings 19 from verse 1 sent a message to Elijah. And she said to him, Jezebel was quite a woman. The spirits behind her 
were serious spirits. She said to him, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. What was she saying to him? When I get you, I will do to you worse than you did to my prophets. Now, how many think that the man of God should have laughed? The man of God should have remembered Mount Carmel, remembered a widow's son that came to life, remembered. But the Bible says when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. So someone be encouraged. You've had a downtime. Be encouraged. That this great man of God ran. And he kept running. His servant got tired and said, sir, I cannot run anymore. He said, you can wait for that woman. I am continuing to run. After running for a long time, he was tired. He sat under a tree and a suicidal spirit came upon him. He said, God, just kill me. So can someone be encouraged? The Bible puts that there so that we know that sometimes we have an off day. Sometimes the thing is overwhelming. Sometimes we moan. Sometimes we complain. Sometimes we rant at God. We vent. Sometimes it's just the prayer doesn't seem like it's working. But why is that put there? To let us know that there are times when that happens, but we must quickly get back on track as Elijah did. Sometimes it needs some rest. That happened to him. Sometimes it needs some food. You know, people can get so spooky spiritual that when what they need is good food, good food, don't worry about the prayer again. You are battered from war. You are tired. You are prayed. You are fasted. A good steak will suddenly change the whole dynamics. But when they are, when they are spooky spiritual, they say, no, 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 you can't eat. My wife knows that there are three things I do when I'm faced with problems. I pray I eat and I sleep. I told her there's just some therapy with food. When you go into a nice restaurant and the whole world is going crazy, on my own, my wife, she laughs at me. She says, I can never do this thing you do. I eat out a lot on my own. Nice food. I'll phone her. I'll say, this food is it's, it's fantastic. When I come out, I phone her. I say, that, that problem we're facing... I said, it's over. The Lord, has dealt, the Lord will deal with it. Not that I prayed. It is the stake that spoke to me. And somebody says, is that spiritual? That's exactly what happened with Elijah. They said, bake some bread and give this man. He has been fighting demons for so long. He needs some physical food, good food. So for some of you, rest, sleep. So quickly. Because you see, if the Bible puts Elijah before us, the question that you should be asking yourself is, what made this man so special? Because if you know what made him special, you can do the same and find yourself in the same place. Three things very quickly. And the three things cover a lot of things. Number one thing was the prominent part the word played in his life. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm grateful for prayer platforms. I run a, a few myself. But I will be shortchanging you if I make you feel that I can be your prayer contractor. 
My role is to galvanize you to pray and to teach you some of the things that I know, some of the things that I'm learning, so that you don't depend on me, but you depend on God. If you don't have a commitment to the word of God, your prayer will always remain in the kindergarten class. Take that to the bank. If you are not reading, somebody say with me, reading. If you are not studying, say studying. If you are not meditating on, say meditating. If you are not speaking and confessing, say speaking and confessing. And if you are not obeying the word of God, your prayers will be in the kindergarten stage for the rest of your life. It is to the extent that you are reading the word, studying the word, meditating on the word, confessing or speaking the word, and obeying the word, it is your, the, 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 the depth of your prayer life is directly related to those things that you're doing. Because ultimately, prayer at its most basic level is taking back to God what God said and asking him to bring it to pass. Real prayer is not trying to twist God's arm to do what we want. It is lining up with God to say, do what you said you will do. So when Elijah walks into Ahab's palace, he obviously is a student of the word. He knows that the conditions are ripe for what God said in Deuteronomy 28 verse 23 to happen. If there's this kind of apostasy, this kind of sin, this kind of hard hearts, this kind of turning away, God says that I will cause the heavens to become like brass and the earth to become like bronze. So when he steps in there and says, at my word, what he's really saying is I'm an echo of the word of God. And it's at my word, but it's backed by his word. The conditions are ripe for what he said will happen. So I stand on the word in Deuteronomy and I lock the heavens. It wasn't him locking it himself. So when you can't find the word to engage, when you go on your own, the enemy is not afraid of you. He's afraid of the Christ in you. I say to people, he has been around for 6,000 years. What, what do you know about anything? He has brought down whole nations, brought down the, the man who wrote everything we know about immorality, Solomon, he brought him down in immorality. So please, just respect yourself. It's the Christ that he's afraid of. It's the word in you that terrifies him. That's why the Bible says we engage him by the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You can't fight him by your emotions. 
You can't fight him by your tears that are not backed by the word. It has to be by the word of God. The bane of the church today is that we have people in church who know every other thing but the word of God. If you want to transform your life in the next three months, try an experiment. Just devote yourself to the word for three months. You will find your life totally transformed. Set time to read it. Set time to study it. Meditate on it. By habit, begin to confess it. Obey it. And watch and see the transformation that will take place in your life, especially in the place of prayer. And you... Aren't you struck by the number of times the Bible records about Elijah? Then the word of the Lord came to him saying. That's how he found himself at the brook Cherith. The word of the Lord came to him. That's how he found himself being fed by the widow of Zarephath and housed. The word of the Lord came to him. If we can't say the word of the Lord has come to us, if those, if those words don't jump out of the Bible by the Spirit of God, and embedded in your heart, our prayer will always be at the kindergarten level. We will always be chasing those who spend time in the word and hoping that somehow they can help us as prayer contractors. Number two, Elijah had faith. Like I said, this man, had either he, 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 had, he needed his head examined or he knew something we didn't know. Because how many know that if that fire had not fallen, how many know that those men who had caught themselves with the pain they were feeling, they would have chopped Elijah into bits. 450 of them, 450 swords would have, would have decapitated his body. But the man of God was calm. He was resting in the faith of God, in, the, in, in trusting God. He had an assurance that God will. If we're going to pray prayers that will move mountains, we must be people of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, the Passion Translation, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's the best translation of that verse I have seen. In all the Bible translations I have seen. It simplifies it. What does faith do? This trust in God. It says faith brings our hopes into reality. The challenge is that a lot of people are hoping that hope will bring it to pass. And hope is a bus stop on the journey. But believe me, hope alone does not bring it to pass. If, what they say, if wishes were horses, beggars would fly. Is that what they say? Would right, yes, would right. So there's a lot of wishing in the church. I wish, I wish, I hope, I hope. And hope is good, it, it lifts the spirit. But what brings it to reality, what translates it from that realm into this realm, is that the person has faith. It says, Faith brings our hopes into reality. It goes on to say it becomes the foundation. It's foundational. It becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. The things we long for. The things God has destined. 
don't come by hoping or wishing. They come by somebody who has a quiet assurance that God will do what he says he will do. And you know, that quiet assurance is an interesting thing because sometimes God doesn't do it. Because he has other plans that we are not privy to. Sometimes we pray so much and it doesn't happen. But then look at the quiet assurance of the Hebrew boys. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to discuss this matter with you. What were they saying? We don't discuss with kings here, natural kings on earth. Like Elijah, like Elijah, they said, Elijah said, because of the God before whom I stand. But he was standing physically before Ahab. He was saying to Ahab, I'm here physically, but I'm also somewhere else. As Christians, we must always be in two places. You're in the board meeting, but you're also sitting down in the throne room of God. They are telling you from the throne room of God what to say in the board meeting. It's not, it's not Harvard education. Harvard education cannot get you so far. You, Harvard education will make you the, the, the CEO, and then the demons will torment you as CEO. What kind of education is that? Elijah says, because of the God before whom I stand... They must have thought, Elijah, that's a grammatical, is grammatically incorrect. You're not standing before God. Elijah says, you don't understand. I dwell in two realms. My body is in this realm, but my spirit is in the other realm. It's right now before the throne of God. It's receiving instructions as to what I should say. Live in two realms. Don't drive the car on the streets of London alone. Drive the car on the streets of London, but sit in the throne room of God and hear what God is saying. That's what makes our prayer potent. So you're, you're talking to people, but you're talking to another person. That's how Christians are. You're putting the proposal forward, but you're asking them, what exactly do I say? And does he not say that he will give you a word to say at the time that you need it? Says the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Sometimes we're wondering, that thing hasn't come yet. What gives us the proof that is, that is going to come is the faith we have. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that should change his mind. And you know what? Faith is interesting. Because all those heroes of faith didn't even get what they were, they were believing God for. But you know what faith does? Like the three Hebrew boys, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to discuss this matter with you. King, move. We are talking to the real king. They said, our God will do it. But even if he doesn't do it, doesn't change anything. That is the height of faith where you are submitted totally to God's plans and purposes. What are you saying? It must excite God where someone says, God, ultimately, you know best. Ultimately. Hallelujah. And you know, the interesting thing about faith is that again, it boils down to the same thing. So somebody says, but how do I get this kind of faith? It's not something you crank up. <laughs> we are interesting people. You see somebody, the person is afraid. I can see fear in their eyes. Say, I rebuke you. Say that I rebuke you. I want to say keep quiet. Just keep quiet. Because the people you're rebuking know that you're afraid. Just, it's okay. Just respect yourself and go back to God to say, God. You know, there's honest in prayer. God, I am afraid. You know, what I, I, as you know, generally, I don't do fear. It doesn't exist in my vocabulary. Two times I've been afraid in my life. One time, <laughs> we're facing a big challenge. I was facing it personally. And the enemy was feeding me lies. 
I'm telling you, he, he faced me. And for the first time in my life, in a long time, fear entered my heart. And the enemy told me lies. And you know, I resist those lies normally, but the enormity of what I was facing, he, he just faced me. And for the first time in a long time, I was afraid. And my, it was interesting, this, this, this thing I'm saying, the, the, the solution came when we were with you in Ibadan. So we traveled to be with her, with her excellency. And my wife, ah, guys, if you're not married, may God give you a good wife. And if you're married and she's not good, may God change her to be good. In our hotel room, we went for a function that the Excellency's family were having. In our hotel room, Shola started speaking to me. Do you remember? You don't? Oh, wow. And she was saying to me that, she said to me that, but you know, I've seen you face things. How come this one is so different? I said to her, because this one, the enemy has gone for the jugular. He wants to kill my entire ministry. He has gone for me. And she began to say to me, you can't remember, she began to say to me, but you're a lion. That's what your name means. You're a lion. You know, as she spoke, something came upon me. That I, I'm not a pussycat. <laughs> Agu does not mean pussycat. Pussycat, pussy, pussy, pussycat, some nice kitten. No, I'm not a kitten. And it was just in the words she said, I'm a lion. My father is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm a lion. So we got dressed and went to the function. I had a good time. Came back to England. For the first time in a year and a half, I was entering London without fear in my heart. Fear is a terrible thing. For a year and a half, every time I came to London, because of the issues we were dealing with, I was afraid. It was an alien thing for me because I don't do fear. For the first time, I flew into London and the lion in me was looking for... When I landed, I was roaming around looking for the one who's roaming around. If I catch you, I'll show you that this agu is a lion. And it took what she said. And she didn't even know. The second time was during COVID. For whatever reason... I was okay with COVID until the enemy convinced me that my sister Chizo and her husband were going to die. Just sowed that seed in my heart. Shola and I never watched television during COVID because we thought we cannot be hearing this thing. They put it on repeat. Every 10 minutes, they are telling you the same thing. The same thing. 2,000 people died today in London. <laughs> 10 minutes later, 2,000 people died today in London. Another minute, 10, 2,000. I said, this same news you've told us once. Why are you telling us all the time? It must be a strategy to induce fear. I know 2,000 people died. That's okay. And then the enemy told me my sister Chizo was going to die in her husband. And then I phoned them and they, they probably had COVID. She was gasping. He was coughing. The enemy said, he's prepare. I was so afraid. That night... Say, God, this is not super pastor of Jesus' house. I am afraid. I am so afraid that they are going to kill my sister and her husband. Guess what God said to me? Give me the fear. 
So I said, God, how? He said, just give it to me. I said, okay, God, it kind of sounds a bit silly, but I give you the fear. You know, I got up from there, and that fear had gone. And what now came in its place was a crazy faith, an assurance and a rest in God that this COVID, we are going to go through it by God's grace. And it's not that God didn't take some people through COVID, but the way of faith is that you have an assurance that it wasn't that COVID took them. It was that God employed COVID to bring them home. Could have been anything, but God says this is the way for them to come home. Can I say something to you? Please hear what I'm saying. It's a revelation God gave me, and I might have shared it here. When God made man, man was inanimate until God put his breath in man. That's what gives us life, the breath of God in us. It is madness to imagine that Satan can take what God put in somebody out of the person. He does not have that kind of power. <laughs> Please. He's an, he's an archangel employed. When God wanted to deal with him, God did not deal with him himself. God and Satan are not opposites and equals. God called Michael. Go and deal with that, bo that boy before I get angry here. So when a person dies, and I have been at a person's deathbed, not one, I've, I've seen it happen. When a person dies, what do they say? The person gave up the last breath. So when a person dies, what you see, if you've never seen it before, it's like the person breathes in once and breathes out, and then the person is dead. Do you know what happens? The one who controls life and death, not Satan, has decided that that person has finished their assignment. So the same way he breathed out and they were moving, he breathes in in heaven. And then that's when the breath goes out of them. Spirit goes out of them. The, 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 and goes back to him. Once that happens, the person is dead. Can you imagine that Satan will breathe in and the spirit will go out of you. Please leave Satan where he is. He was in the Garden of Eden. Nobody bothered about him. He was, he was on the earth somewhere, even if not in the Garden of Eden. Nobody bothered about him. It's Pentecostals now who have elevated him to a new level. Every time they're binding, losing, binding, losing. Satan, Satan, Satan. Nothing wrong with that. It's biblical. But if your whole prayer is Satan, then there's a problem. You can't even enjoy your relationship with God because your whole prayer is Satan. A friend of mine sent me a message, I must end now, and said that the, he sent me the picture, a black bird was in his office. The Africans are laughing because, <laughs> and the black bird died in his office. So he sent me the picture. So I sent him a message, I said, go to sleep. Don't worry about this black bird. There's some things you don't worry about. So I told Shola, we have a lot of black birds that fly around our house. I told Shola this morning, what do they want me to do? To be praying, all these black birds, are ravens, all over our house. I'll spend my whole time praying that they've sent it from my village. No, 
we have passed that one. Uh, dealing with those ones, uh, no, 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 no. Please don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Satan is not that powerful. Focus on God, and Satan is taken care of. Submit yourself to God, then resist him. He will flee. Can someone say amen? amen. Lastly, lastly, living right. <laughs> this is a, a fallacy of the modern church. That I can live anyhow I like, and God will answer my prayers. It's a fallacy of the modern church. Elijah says, 1 Kings 19 verse 10, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, turned down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. What was he saying? The culture is rotten. But I have stood against the rotten culture. You can't submit to the culture that is rotten, ungodly, and assume that God is obliged to answer your prayers. No, he's not. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person that avails much. Thankfully, you don't have to earn the righteousness. It is imputed in Christ. But please when they put you in a position, that's what being imputed means. It means that you don't deserve to be there. They took you and they put you there. Don't walk out of the position yourself and then think that you can still do what you did in the position when you're out of it. It doesn't work like that. It's a fallacy. On one, one of the prayer platforms, they put a prayer online that the woman prayed. That, Lord, please... Something along these lines. I bind his wife. The woman was what they call a side chick. She was praying that the wife will move, give her room. Oh, you're saying, ah. It's, it's, it's as bad as some of the things you pray. Your heart is full of unforgiveness. You're praying. No, no answer. Don't waste your time. Your heart is full of, you just finished abusing your husband. Look at your head. That's how you are in your family, coconut head family. Look at, look at all of you. This is how you are, wretched. Look at how I was moving until I met you. Now you have slowed me down. Then you kiss your teeth. Then you go into the room. It's a total waste of time. Time. Go, to, go, go and swim. It's a fallacy. You're not talking to someone Sometimes in the same church, and you assume that he has a right to answer you, you have a right. No, it doesn't work like that. It's a fallacy. Prayer works by positioning. Positioning comes by you making sure that there's nothing that is going to block your communication with God. Checking your heart constantly at fresh fire, and incidentally, those of you who don't come for fresh fire, that's another problem, but for another day. At fresh fire, Daniel, Pastor Daniel was praying about the heart that is defiled. That is the problem. You're, you're, you're consumed with anger. You've shouted, abuse somebody. Idiot, coconut head, fool. Nonsense, nonsense. Then you go into the prayer room. After saying, nonsense was the last thing you said. I love you, Lord. I mean, what is a waste of time? Waste of time. That's why prayers are not answered. Waste of time. 
So check your heart, check your life, align yourself, humble yourself, do all that you can to be at peace with all men. And I know that is challenging, but try so that heaven says she has tried, he has tried. Can someone say amen? These are things, some of the things that made Elijah, Elijah. Zealous for God. He lived right for God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. As I come to an end, prayer is all about a relationship. Period. It's God who said, I can't do this thing without stopping to tell my friend Abraham. It was a relationship. It was the relationship that made Moses, the prophet that saw God face to face, a relationship. If prayer is not based on a relationship, it's like a fire escape. Now and again, in an emergency, you go down the fire escape, but that's not the normal route to leave the building. And I don't want our prayers to be fire escape prayers. Let our prayers be normal in our lives. And so, in talking about relationships, you don't have a relationship with God. You haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Your prayer life really will always be a fire escape until you do so. And so, with all heads bowed here at the base and all heads bowed, bowed at the hub in Greenwich, if anyone is saying, you know what, I want to make my peace with God, I'd like you to slip your hands up if you're here or if you're at the hub. If you're online, please put it into the chat. You want to make your peace with God. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to start a relationship with him. Slip your hands up wherever you are. Anybody saying, pray for me. Pray with me. I want to start that relationship. Slip your hand up. If you're at the hub, slip the hand up. And uh, Pastor Joseph, Pastor Kenya, and the rest of the team will minister to you. Anybody, if you're online, slip it into the chat. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Anybody saying, I want to start this relationship. That life of prayer you have described is attractive to me. Go on, slip your hand up. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. If you're at the hub, your hands are up. Pastor Joseph Kenya will be ministering to you online. The hosts will be ministering to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, together we say amen and amen. Praise God. Go and give God a clap offering. Give God a clap offering.